we're back. Uh, sorry for the long break, but we had kind of a crazy September. Um, Mike, you were out of the country for a while. Yep. Uh, you went to Greece. How was that? It was very nice and cool, and it's definitely something that you need to see for yourself. It's just cool to go to the birthplace of civilization. Of Well, I mean, Western civilization. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and to go and see those sites like the Acropolis in person is uh it's intimidating honestly like really? what what those people achieved is pretty damn impressive <laughs> this probably shouldn't surprise anybody but those greeks kind of knew what they were doing mm-hmm. yeah so it was cool that makes sense yeah so greece is a, is good and you should go <laughs> yes <clears throat> um what was the craziest thing you saw like what was the thing that really stuck out to you where you're like whoa um you know, I have to say that going to Dubrovnik in Croatia was really cool. It's this old medieval city that has walls around it still. They go and use it uh, for Game of Thrones, for okay. King's Landing and some other places that people who understand Game of Thrones would recognize that I don't. Sure. Because I don't watch it. Um, but it was really cool. And uh, I really liked seeing places that I didn't necessarily have familiarity with due to consumption of history or media so croatia and montenegro were both beautiful to me surprisingly so because i didn't really expect anything out of them uh athens it's cool to place these uh old temples in the context of a modern city that is around them oh you know that's the you see pictures of them and yeah. you know photographer good photographers usually don't show the rest of the city in the background right but then when you're on top of the mountain and then you look down oh there's an entire city there you know <laughs> yeah and so that's what's really weird or interesting about um going to greece and then we went to the temple of poseidon which mm-hmm. is uh like at least an hour and a half away from um athens and it's on this cliffside and it used to be where they would worship poseidon um and it looks out over the ocean. It was really, really windy that day. Um, but that, even that alone, the scale of that place and kind of the secludedness of it, there wasn't a city next to this one. It was kind of its own separate thing away from civilization. You kind of had a sense of what it would be like to go and take like a pilgrimage over there mm-hmm. and pray. And, um, I felt a little bit more connected to what it would feel like than you would in maybe Athens. So, right. um I really enjoyed it. I felt that I felt that that was really historically significant to kind of experience that. Yeah, I feel like when you go to not America uh, or not North America, yeah. um, like if you go to Europe and stuff, you see stuff and you're like, "Oh, that's thousands of years old." Right. Like that's crazy. Because yeah. like the oldest thing you're going to see here is like a couple hundred years old mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, you're going to see some ancient stuff, but not too much. And it's all going to be in a museum. Like they have right. structures that yeah. are like, oh, Jesus saw this. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, some great philosopher walked on the same ground. Right. You know, which is crazy to think about. Uh, it, it's something that um, I didn't have much care for, like maybe 10 years ago, I never really cared about going to Europe. Mm-hmm. But now, I don't want to say I'm a junkie, but I want to see all these places. Yeah. Because there is a value in going there in person that you can't go and experience just in a book or on television or on a computer screen. Yeah. 
Yeah, I want to go to Stonehenge really bad. I feel like I would trip out at Stonehenge and just be like, no, but really, how, how'd they do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only downside to places like Stonehenge, and this is not from personal experience, this comes from family who have been there, mm-hmm. is that you have to stand really far away yeah. from it. Yeah. Uh, versus some of these other sites, I mean, you still can't walk through the, the, par- the, the Parthenon, um, but you can get close enough that it feels real. Yeah. So... That's the main thing. You have to kind of know that. Well, I've been to the Parthenon in Nashville. That's the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, close enough. Okay. That's a full-size replica. <laughs> Go to Graceland. It's, it's, it's close, right? Um, <clears throat> no, the Parthenon in Nashville is cool. I'm sure it's nothing like the actual Parthenon, like seeing it. But it was crazy to just be like... like the, Going down to Nashville, you're just like, why is this here? Right. (laughs) There's no real reason. It's just the middle of a park in Nashville, and you're like, why? Yeah. Why is this? Why? (laughs) Who did this? And why? (laughs) You know, I will also say, um, Venice was very overcrowded, because we went to Venice, too. Mm. Um, But there's, like, these cafes along St. Peter's Square, which is, like, St. Peter's Cathedral is really big. Right. and we just sat there and we had like either ice cream or like coffee or something like that. And there's like a, a band that would play at these competing cafes cause mm-hmm. trying to draw like crowds there and just kind of sat there for like 30 minutes and it was very relaxing and peaceful. And it, it, I finally kind of got to absorb a little bit of the culture because mm-hmm. I did a cruise. And so we would go on a tour for like, you know, a couple hours or whatever. And then we go straight back to the boat. So mm-hmm. there's not really much time to experience anything else besides the walking around or driving on a bus or whatever. So just being immersed in it for a little bit was really cool. Nice. Yeah. 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 It's something I'd like to do. I've never been overseas. I've never been out of the country, which I feel like I should. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, it's nice. It's an eye-opening experience. Yeah. I want to sure. go to a movie in another country. I just want to oh, know yeah. what that experience is like. You oh. know? <laughs> We saw a bunch of uh, German and French movies on the cruise boat, which was okay. dubs of American movies, which is great. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they yes. were in German and French? Yes, yes. All right. So Rampage is great in German. <laughs> yes. All right. The Rock's voice actor does not fit him at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, he has no charisma <laughs> because German. That's freaking funny. Yeah, yeah. Also, the First Order is a lot more intimidating than The Last Jedi in german as well well because yeah yeah i feel like that goes for any iteration of the empire yes yes <laughs> that's so funny yeah, have you ever seen bitch in uh, the movie <laughs> have you ever seen um the lion king in german no they do the <gasps> the yes. be, Pre- be prepared song be prepared song yeah. i have listened to that <laughs> Yeah. It's intense. It, it it's is. like it cranks that shit up to eleven. Man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. Well, welcome back. I'm Thanks. glad you didn't get any crazy boat diseases. No. Um, Not yet. No. It's been a minute since that's happened. Yeah. Uh. But that was a thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um. And so to welcome you back stateside, we saw Venom. <sighs> yeah. So, man. Uh. So Venom's this movie from 2018 somehow that stars Tom Hardy. It's directed by Ruben Fleischer, the guy that did Zombieland and Gangster Squad and some TV show I don't remember the name of. Um, 
And it's the origin story of Venom, but they couldn't use anything Spider-Man in it. Venom's a Spider-Man villain who got rebranded as a Spider-Man universe anti-hero, sort of like the Spider-Man version of the Punisher in the early 2000s. And so it's kind of a mixture of that, right? Mm. Um, It's produced by Sony in association with Marvel, which I thought was really interesting Mm -hmm. uh, to see on this. So... When was it? 2014? Tw- uh, when did Civil War come out? 2016? 2016. So 2014, 15-ish, there was the Sony hack, right? Yeah. So the Sony hack was uh, this thing that North Korea took credit for that I don't think they did. Yeah. Um, because why Why would they do I, that? I, I don't get it either. Um, so the Sony hack was this email dump of a bunch of leaked emails that... Uh, showed a bunch of like upcoming sony projects and stuff like uh blofeld being inspector was in there yeah uh, actually was... all the plot beats to specter was in there yeah, yeah yeah it was all of specter um the idea for the third 21 jump street movie which um... would have seen them join the men in black was in there and then there were these documents that were talking about a deal between sony and marvel yeah <clears throat> and that's because uh, the comics almost didn't exist by the year 2000. Um, so the death of Superman is this comic book that, uh, wrecked the market for comic books. Um, I don't know how much about this, you know. I don't know about the death of Superman's part, but I know that comic books was dying out. So. The turn of the century. You know, comics used to be collectible, right? And so they killed Superman in the 90s and it was yeah. a big deal where it was like, oh, we're going to kill Superman. You know, Superman's been around since the 30s, um. You know, and he's indestructible, basically, but we are going to kill him. So they released this comic called The Death of Superman, and they took pre-orders on it. I think it was one of the first comics they, like, really pushed pre-orders on. And it was, they were pushing this, like, this is going to be this collectible item. And uh, they had special editions of it and all this stuff. Well, what happened is they hyped it so much and so many people bought it that they overprinted it. And now it's worth nothing. But what happened is it was meant to be like this hardcore collector's edition comic and it they completely botched it and it killed the comics bubble, basically. So uh, you can get a brand new sealed copy of the special edition of Death of Superman for like nine bucks now. <laughs> um, and it's it's not worth anything. But what happened is it almost made the industry collapse because the collector value of it was so low and it was like, well, hell, like, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. So, uh, that kind of, it upset a lot of people. People stopped buying comics for a while. Comics weren't great in the nineties and, uh, people just kind of got disenfranchised with them. And so to make money, make up where they were losing in, uh, comic book sales, Marvel, started selling off their properties mm-hmm. to anyone who would buy them. DC was a little bit better because they had the Batman franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were in a little bit better position. But, you know, Batman and Robin didn't g- do great. But they didn't do great in 1998, right? That was right. the first one that didn't do great. And people still saw it. So, like, they'd still made money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Marvel started... S- they were they were kind of behind the eight ball and they started selling off their properties. They sold off Fantastic Four and Daredevil and the Punisher and the X-Men and uh, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And 
Sony ended up with Spider-Man. They made the Tobey Maguire movies in 2002 is when the first one came out, right? 2000, yeah, 2002. Yeah, because, yeah, because right the trailer. 11. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which is why that movie was so popular. Right. Um, that was, that became the highest opening weekend ever when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that was definitely because of 9-11. Um, so, uh, in 2000, actually, so to, to back that up, in 2000, X-Men came out. Right. And that did pretty well. Um you know, it was kind of the first signifier that, like, the technology was there to make good superhero movies. Yeah. Uh, I imagine 18 years later, that first movie doesn't hold up super well. But at the time, it was like, whoa. Yeah. Like, whoa, this mm-hmm. is, like, they're doing it, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, in, even in 2002, with that first Spider-Man movie, it was like, whoa, that's Spider-Man. Like, he's, like, swinging around, and it looks like Spider-Man. Like, it right. doesn't, doesn't look like a crappy guy in a suit. It looks like guy like it looks like a spider man (laughs) and uh you know they also had gotten um interesting directors for them you know big name directors brian singer was hot off of what usual suspects Suspects. um in in 2000 when he made x-men uh that hasn't panned out great since um but sam raimi you know he was this like weirdo indie horror guy he had made stuff like evil dead and the frighteners which is this like bonkers like horror comedy and he was able to like infuse something in that movie that really made it pop i don't know if it was there was definitely the 9-11 thing yeah but it's still a decent movie on its own like Mm -hmm. it still holds up you know yeah it's still pretty good yeah and the second one's even better um i actually have a fond uh I'm more fond of the first one than the second one. Mm. I Because I like um, the Green Goblin mm. in the first one. He looks like a Power Ranger villain. Yeah. Uh, I really like... Uh, what's his face? Defoe? Defoe. Yeah. More than I like Molina. I, okay. I, I, I like Alfred Molina just fine, mm-hmm. but I like Defoe more as the villain. Yeah. Um, that was the other thing is, like, they had good performances in yeah. them. Like, they, they, they took the material seriously. They, like... Made the movie they wanted to make and could make yes. based on those things. So that kicked off this whole thing. Uh, well, superhero movies started getting made kind mm-hmm. of a lot. And they started making kind of a lot of money. And so Marvel stepped in the game, right? 2008. Yep. And they were like, oh, well, we're going to start doing these properties that we still own. Right. Um, because comic book sales still haven't really recovered even though comic book properties are more popular than they have ever been. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, they don't sell. The mm-hmm. The books themselves still don't sell. Um, but it kind of doesn't matter anymore. Um, because these movies make a billion dollars every time they come out. <laughs> um, so Marvel starts making these movies. But they're making these movies with their kind of C-list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Man, Captain America, uh, freaking Ant-Man. Sometimes they're D and F, the Guardians of the Galaxy. But they found a formula that worked. Right. And is still working, right? We're 10 years into this thing. However, the kind of flagship Marvel people weren't home, right? Mm-hmm. Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four to a certain extent. And it started becoming this thing. I think it, it sparked an interest in uh, rights ownership that we've never seen before. <laughs> Of, like, who owns what, and, like, I know who owns what now, (laughs) Um, you know, and knowing when the rights expire, when, like, you know, 
the rights to Punisher reverted back to Marvel, mm. and then the rights, I think, to Blade recently reverted back to Marvel, the rights to Daredevil reverted back to Marvel. And, like, which ones that they share custody over, which is weird, yeah. too? Yeah, so that's like... that's where we're what we're getting to. Yeah. So Sony made these three Spider-Man movies. First two did great. Third one made a lot of money, but people hated it. Mm-hmm. And had Venom in it. And did have Venom in it. Yeah. Um, and... Then Sony, like, didn't kind of sat on the property because they didn't really know what to do Mm because they kind of killed Spider-Man 4 by having Spider-Man 3 be so bad. (laughs) Um, And so they kind of sat on it and they were getting to a spot where the rights were going to revert back to Marvel. Mm -hmm. Well, Spider-Man's a big property and they didn't want to do that. So they made the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Those did terrible. Yeah. They didn't do good at all. And they were really banking on those two movies hard yeah. Uh, they were uh, planning on making an Aunt May spinoff. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's they had right. The, the extended Spider-Man universe. Yeah, because they were going to do a Sinister May. Six movie. Yeah. Too. Right. Um, and like they set that up in Amazing Spider-Man too. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, obviously that went nowhere. But it like Sony started bleeding money on it because that's what they like. They put all their eggs in the Spider-Man basket. Right. And uh, so they ended up striking a deal with Marvel. To uh, share custody of Spider-Man. And it's real weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's real weird. Um, so Spider-Man is now in these Marvel movies. And Marvel is making these Spider-Man movies. But Sony's the ones marketing them. Mm-hmm. And like I don't really know where the profit share lies. Or who's putting up the money. I assume Marvel and Disney are. Because they have more of it. I think it's Sony who puts up the money. For the Spider-Man things? Mm-hmm. Really? I think so. Huh. That was the laundry. <laughs> um, huh. Yeah. All right. So, so, then Sony was like, oh, well, we are getting a kickback on these Disney things now. Mm-hmm. And these things make a ton of money. And we're making money every time Spider-Man is in one of these things. So they put out Civil War that had Spider-Man in it. Yep. And that made a ton of money. And then they put out Spider-Man Homecoming, which made a decent amount of money. And then they put out Avengers uh, Infinity War, which made so much money. Mm-hmm. It made all the money. So now Sony has a bunch of money from their shared custody of it. And uh, so what Sony's doing now is making their own Spider-Man movies, sort yeah. of. So, you know, Venom is the first one, and we'll talk about that proper in a second. But so they're coming out with Venom, and then uh, they're coming out with this thing called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse later this year. It's going to be like a Christmas release. And it looks good, actually. It does. But why does it exist? Like, what... It's, it's, you know, we keep up on this stuff, right? right? And it's kind of confusing as it is about the why, but mm-hmm. we can kind of keep it straight of like, this is a different universe and this freaking Joe Blow six pack moviegoer is not going to, there's like, uh, yeah. they, people were confused when Rogue One came out about when it was supposed to take place. Right. I had someone message me like, what is this Star Wars mm-hmm. movie? Um, and that's just one company in control of one movie a year. Yeah. So now we have, there are three movies with Spider-Man ties coming out in 2018. Yeah. There's Avengers, there's Venom, and there's Spider-Man Into the Mm Spider-Verse. And they're all not connected to each other, except they kind of are. Right. Like, 
potentially Spider-Man can show up in a Venom thing. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. And then, like, I heard the dude who was going to do Sinister Six still wants to do Sinister Six, but using Venom as the jump-off point. And then, like... I feel like this new spider, this cartoon Spider-Man is going to make actually a good amount of money. And so that's going to be its own thing. So what, what, what is happening, Mike? Sony needs a franchise. They, they need a, an anchor that they can go and tell their investors every single year. This Spider-Man related thing is coming out. It's the same thing you saw with what WB did with the Lego movies. Mm. The Lego movies just exploded out from the first one. Mm -hmm. And... Now I think they've kind of failed slightly and they're just focusing in on the second Lego movie and hoping yeah. that does well. But you had the Lego Batman, you had the Ninja Go and all yeah. that stuff. And those both came out in the same year, I think. Yeah, right? they did. Yeah. yeah. So it was the same idea, I think. Um, it's just that striking while the iron's hot on yeah. something. Well, WB also has Fantastic Beasts, too, yeah. that they can kind of lean on. Because right. those movies... are. The first one did pretty well, and it looks like this one is tracking to do pretty well, too. Right, which is the reason why there's going to be five Fantastic Beasts sure. movies, yeah. you know? Um, so there's that profit profit motive that's going on. And I think Sony's trying to do this stuff with Spider-Man while the Marvel connection thing is still going. They've got these other things in the background in the wings, <clears throat> because I think that the Marvel deal only lasts into the next Spider-Man movie, uh, Far Away From Home, or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. And then they have to go and renegotiate a whole new deal. So they're, they're trying to go and, I think, have something else on the back burner that can survive past that deal if it doesn't continue. Okay. So I can't imagine I it wouldn't continue. It seems like, to me, it's beneficial to both parties. Yeah. But, you know, I think that if Sony's own movies failed, then maybe they would go and maybe do more stuff with Marvel. And now with this movie coming in first this weekend and making... 82 million. million. Yeah, it did pretty well for itself. Yeah. They might go and get cocky and arrogant again and take him back and feel like he's fine without them. Yeah. I don't don't know if that'll happen. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Because I think fans would riot if if the MCU lost Spider-Man. Like, I feel like they would vote with their wallets pretty hard Mm. on that. Um it just it's so strange man yeah it's such a strange business like it's already been like show business is like the business end of show business is already really weird Mm -hmm. but this is like unprecedented well the weird thing about it too is sony pictures is kind of on its last legs Mm -hmm. or it was and then jumanji really blew up like they had a string of bombs you know we're talking Mm -hmm. about uh, Ghostbusters from a year or two before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they went all in and they want to have a cinematic Ghostbusters universe. Yeah. Remember hearing about that? Yeah. Like, they had the, the girl team and then they would also have like an animated yes. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that kind of stuff, which is the same plan they seem to be going yeah. with the Spider Man, you know? Yeah. Um, and so they were not doing very well. And Sony in general, they've been cutting divisions that have losses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they cut their TV division and their laptop division by quite a bit. Um, and they're just focusing on what works for them, which is mostly gaming and some other things. Right. And Sony Pictures wasn't doing so hot. But now Jumanji kind of blew up. Yeah. So now it's kind of like, well, what do we do? Yeah, Rampage <laughs> did all right, too. Yeah, Rampage did okay. Um, and now this movie is doing all right. Yeah, well, their animation division does pretty well, yeah. too, right? Like, right. Because um, didn't they do Boss Baby? Was that them? Or was that DreamWorks? I don't think it was DreamWorks. It might have been Sony. Okay. Because that movie was a hit. That was yeah. a big hit. Um, they're doing it. They, I mean, that was a freaking cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, series. Yeah. Right. Like, they made a Boss Baby Netflix series. Um, 
So their animation division actually does okay. And they do the... Is that Sony that... No, it's Universal that does the Despicable Me thing. Yeah, right? it's yeah. Universal, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's real strange times. And, like, I just don't understand how you can get any sense of cohesiveness out of this. Like, I feel like it's all varying in quality, right? Like, Venom's bad, and then uh, Into the Spider-Verse looks kind of good like yeah. it looks i think it looks great think actually um there's like jokes in there that really work i think it's funny i think uh it makes me laugh that john mulaney and nicholas cage are in a spider-man movie mm-hmm. like i that's funny to me um i think it's a cool i actually think it's a cool way to have like a miles morales universe going on mm-hmm. um because I, th- I think there are a lot of people who wanted that um and then uh, you obviously have the Marvel things, which are kind of top dogs still. Um, but I just don't like. Is it gonna? Is is it sustainable long term? Every time I say it isn't, it somehow <laughs> it still goes on. I mean, comic book movies I thought were gonna crater like ten years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they're bigger than they've ever been. It yeah. seems like and more prevalent than ever. Um, I feel like there is a breaking point, but I can't even pinpoint when <laughs> it is. Well, anymore. I just mean with the Sony Spider-Man well, stuff. I, I don't, I don't think so. I feel like eventually the X-Men movies collapse in on themselves. Mm-hmm. And they've reached that point, and now Fox is selling all their stuff back to know, Marvel. Back to, uh, back, and you know, Disney's going to own Fox and mm-hmm. all that. So eventually, it came to an end for them. And what, what I think really did them in is. Uh, you know, I th- I think X Men Three like inflicted a fatal blow on X Men mm-hmm. in general, and it, and it just took a long time for it to manifest and w- yeah, well, Wolverine they, Origins or whatever. Yeah, the one two punch of X Men Three and then Wolverine Origins wasn't great, but then like it was really weird because First Class like was really well received. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're not a fan of that movie, but people yeah. really love that movie. I like that movie a lot. And it did pretty well, yeah. but then they like kind of botched that universe. But then Deadpool did incredible, right. and like Logan did incredible, and Deadpool two did incredible. Mm. So, it, I, but I mean, they've abandoned all kind of continuity, and it doesn't seem yeah. to have hurt their like their singular properties, like their yeah. one hero properties. Well, that's the thing is maybe that is a sustainable <clears throat> way of doing things. Is People sometimes people don't want to follow all this continuity. Mm. Like I almost feel like the continuity based things are, are what is failing outside of Marvel. Right. You know, all these attempts to go and build extended universes have thus far failed. I think people only have time to really focus on the connections between movies for like one cinematic universe. Yeah. And Marvel universe goes and sucks all the oxygen out of the air. Yeah, because they the did room. it first, and they're doing it the best. Right. And movies aren't TV, right? Yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> And so, um, you know, I think the the X Men continuity movies mm-hmm. uh, pretty much have collapsed. Yeah. But then little spinoffs that didn't require outside knowledge of things, but just a love of a character, mm-hmm. did fine. Yeah. And I could see the same thing happening with these Sony movies too. You know, I could yeah. see eventually the the Spider Man movies being whatever, but then the little spinoff things they do do fine. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. like we said, Venom did pretty good this weekend. Yeah. I imagine it'll see a drop. Well, maybe not. Oh, people seem to dig that movie. Man. Yeah, yep. I, I think word of mouth is is better than I would think it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Considering the movie that it right. is, yes, yeah, that's true. It did like it made a lot of money. People really liked it. Uh, Reviews did not seem to cause any dents. No, it. it's well the the critic to audience radio or audience ratio is 
gigantic. It's like yeah. a fifty percent gap or something. It's like a thirty something critic score and like an eighty two or eighty nine audience yeah. score. Um, but and you know what's coming out next weekend? First Man. Right. That's no competition. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll make a ton of money actually, and like. Which is cool because they made the movie for like twelve bucks. Yeah. Uh, based, on, I mean, I don't know, but based on how it looks, I can't imagine it was more than like eight fifty. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think it was like a hundred million. Yeah. So. Oh know, yeah, it's well on its way. Right. It's and fine. has it released internationally yet? Yeah, and it's doing fine there too. Yeah. So it's gonna make its money back. Yeah. Um, so that's like, that's the thing, right? Venom's a pretty well loved character. Mm-hmm. Um, I texted my wife. Uh, I forgot how much Mexicans love Venom, but like, I don't know what it is, but Venom, a lot of like minorities love Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, like you see a love for Venom in like, um, I think a lot of Mexican and, or Hispanic and black households, um, they just gravitate towards that character for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's a cool design. He looks cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, there's like a, there's like a, like a hard edge to him that I think for the most part, the comics did a pretty good job of not making too like cheesy. And so there's kind of a built in love for him, but like the majority of our audience was Hispanic today. I heard a lot of Spanish speaking going oh, on yeah. before the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was, a, it wasn't sold out, but it was, there was a decent amount of people there. Kind of reminded me of the crowd that went and saw Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was the same kind of like people. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I just I, I, I didn't feel like your typical superhero movie crowd. Yeah, no, you know? not at all. Because so. usually it's just like fat white guys in t-shirts that have the character, right? Right? right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's basically where I was going with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, and this one, like, I don't know. It feels like more badass, and so people mm-hmm. like go to see it. I don't yeah. know what it is, but. There's definitely a love in those communities for Venom. And mm. even Punisher. Like, I remember seeing Punisher, the Thomas Jane one. Which, by the way, I think is a very underrated Marvel movie. I think that movie's actually decent. I like that movie a lot, actually. Yeah. There's some weird stuff in it that I like. Yeah, it's um, a little too tonally weird. But, okay. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 I kind of like what they're going for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I really like, there's a scene where he has a switchblade that he like shoots the knife, like the blade out of into a dude's neck. And I remember always thinking that was super cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, you know, it, and it, Venom opened up against what? A Star is Born, which had like one of the most viral trailers ever. Yeah. Um, and now, A Star is Born is rated R. Venom is PG-13. Yeah. But it still doubled the gross of A Star is Born. A Star is Born is definitely a hit by, you know, studio drama standards. Oh, yeah. Um, and that soundtrack's going to make all the money in the mm-hmm. universe. And I think it's going to have good legs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That movie's going to be playing a month from now, yeah. for sure. People are going to see it multiple times. Heck, I want to see it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a really good movie. And, uh, but it's, it's two completely different audiences yeah. and people showed up for Venom way more with that. Uh, <laughs> Venom's a movie you can go and see. Uh, <laughs> Man, I don't, the, I don't know if this review portion is going to last as long as the buildup. No, that. I don't think so. That's why I kind of tried to glom onto the Sony Marvel deal. Uh, so Tom Hardy is Eddie Brock, the traditional Venom, right? There have been yeah. several ve- Venoms over the years, but Eddie Brock is the OG Venom. Right. He's an intrepid 
uh, to Al- a fault alcoholic recording. Alcoholic drunk doing a <laughs> something impression with a something <laughs> accent. Yeah, so man. Doing his best Tommy Wiseau impression. He from uh, the room. doesn't consume a drop of alcohol no, in the movie, no, but, but he's, he's consistently hammered. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's the only explanation I have for that. I almost considered doing the rest of this review just like trying to do an impression. I can't even. Him. I was so yeah. I was trying to think of how to do it, and my brain imploded. <laughs> like I, I don't know how he got there like, with what, this. What voice. combinations of drugs and alcohol it Dude, took to reach so, this plane of existence? Bo- man, so Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock, and he's a reporter that like brings down the man and like speaks right. truth to power Muck or whatever. Cracker. Yeah. Um, and he's going after, uh, evil Elon Musk, who's like sending rockets to space and bringing back these symbiotes and then testing the symbiotes on people. And, uh, during his investigation, Tom Hardy, like, sees a homeless woman that he interacts with pretty consistently, who's been a victim of these crimes, uh, breaks her out. And then the symbiote transfers from her into him. And then he becomes Venom. And then he goes and stops evil Elon Musk. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty simple setup. Um, honestly, not bad. Like there, there's a you could do that a lot dumber. Yeah, it it wasn't flat out garbage. Yeah, yeah. the movie's bad. Yeah, Don't yeah, get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. The movie is yeah, bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the premise isn't like I yeah, kind of like it, some it, aspects of it. Like I like I like uh, for my part. I really like the idea of that villain of like. The evil Elon Musk guy, like just because Elon Musk seems like a double, like it's pretty generic, yeah, but it's yeah. fine. See, that's my thing is I, I, I there's so many comic book villain businessmen stuff that I am so immune to that crap by now. I like the uh, bleeding edge tech guy version okay. of that though, like the like snobby Silicon Valley entitled dude right. version of it. I like that. I feel like we're a couple of years now into that being in vogue now too. So even yeah. I'm immune to that. Like I remember. Like, what is it, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too? Like, having, like, a... It was a Steve Jobs yeah, bad yeah. guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean? So, yeah. now we've just moved on from being Steve Jobs' bad to Elon Musk being bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's just one step removed from Hank Scorpio, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> si- like, Simpsons did it. Yeah. Right? It's, that's, right? That's the joke, and they did it. And they yeah. did it the best, honestly. Like, Hank Scorpio's the best, like, tech villain mm-hmm. uh, ever. That dude's a legit great villain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um... Uh, anyway, I, sorry, my brain went down a rabbit hole of like, <laughs> could we get Albert Brooks to be Hank Scorpio in a Bond movie? Um, <laughs> even that name is great, man. Anyway, so, uh, maybe it's just cause I, I, I'm very fresh off of watching that Elon Musk, uh, Joe Rogan thing that blew up. Oh yeah. So it was pretty fresh in my mind seeing Riz mm-hmm. Ahmed be that guy and just being like, oh no, like I see it. I totally see it. Um, okay, it's a fine basis for a story. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. There's nothing inherently structurally wrong with Yeah, it. it's like I said, yeah. you could do a lot dumber things. Yeah. Um, even the first act, like the setup to it, not bad. Like, yeah. you, you, There's nothing quote-unquote wrong with the bones of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty generic, Yeah. which is not good. But there's nothing stupid about it. There's nothing out of control, far-fetched about it, right? Because you're already suspending your disbelief to the point where this alien body is taking over this guy Mm -hmm. and, like, turning him into a monster. 
vigilante anti-hero thing right right so you've already got to get there if you're gonna get any sort of a view on the movie worth talking about so none of the premise itself goes beyond that mm. um so if you're already meeting it there like the evil elon musk thing the intrepid reporter thing the lawyer girlfriend that like you know it puts a strain on their relationship his like egomaniac reporter thing is all that is not bad like yeah. you, you could do a lot worse for a premise there's nothing inherently stupid about the plot there's some dumb stuff but it's not jurassic world right like mm-hmm. it's it never goes full-on what the hell until the first post credit scene but even that's not <laughs> stupid it just looks ridiculous uh, there was a part that kind of broke it for me but we can get into it later yeah um but like it, there's it's got it's got good bones. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh Is that your William Defoe? <laughs> sure. Spider-Man. <laughs> Impressive. <laughs> uh, the hot. <laughs> Stab the hot. Uh but the meat on that bone is uh, real bad. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, sure. Um it's uh soaked in a crazy performance from Tom Hardy. Oh my god. So I think we'll start there. Uh What? <laughs> Man, I don't know what are you talking about? <laughs> what was wrong with my performance? Huh? <laughs> it's like a it's like a really crappy drunk Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, kinda. <laughs> yeah. It's like you do a bad Christopher Walken, and then you make him drunk, and that's <laughs> the voice he's using. Um, uh, so Tom Hardy is... He is an actor. He's a, he's a weird dude. He's yeah. a weird dude in real life. Yeah. He's a really weird dude, man. I don't know what's up with that guy. Wow. Um, what's wrong with him so he kind of burst onto the scene in bronson which was the uh nicholas winding reffin movie yeah Uh, he's really good in it Mm -hmm. um but and so he was kind of like oh crap like who's this guy like this guy kind of blew up he came out of nowhere um he was in that star trek movie when he was a kid yeah um he was okay in it actually really yeah he's pretty decent he's really good in bronson but the movie's not yeah. I mean, um, I don't know about Bronson, but the Star Trek. Bronson, the movie's okay. Yeah. He's really good in it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays this infamous British criminal in it, and the performance is, like, really weird and over the top, which is kind of his thing, yeah. sort of, sometimes, a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, what? Yeah, um, but, you know, he was this, like, he's this good-looking dude who's in great shape, um, and can, he, like, he really disappeared into Bronson. If you see, like, pictures of oh, him, yeah, he I've looks a lot it. like him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And so everyone was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And then Christopher Nolan kind of immediately snatched him up. Mm-hmm. And he put him in Inception, which he's like, fine. Uh, he's like, he's there's nothing wrong with him in it. He doesn't have a lot to do. Yeah. Um, That's kind of my favorite Tom Hardy role because I could fucking understand him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite's Dunkirk, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He uh, he uses just kind of a normal British voice, like yeah. nothing weird about it, right? In there, and then uh, Dark Knight Rises, yeah, and then Christopher Nolan just started covering his face, yeah, in different ways. Like he just started being like the dude who plays behind a mask, right? Mm-hmm. So 
he is uh, Bane in Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. and he does this bonkers ass Sean Connery impression. Even though he's a guy who was trapped in the Middle East <laughs> for his there. entire life. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then the the thing about that performance is his mouth was obscured by a mask the whole time. Yep. And the problem with that is you can't understand him. So they went and ADR'd it. Yeah. But then they filtered the hell out of it and it doesn't sound right still. And the problem in that movie is the voice doesn't feel like it's coming from the character. It no. just feels like it's it feels like God is speaking. Yeah, they, they like lift the vocal track like above everything yeah. and like place it in like the front speaker, like no matter where he is, like yeah. in the scene, it's like always coming from like a different direction than it should. Mm-hmm. And it just feels really off as a yeah. result. I, that was like the worst thing about I think the reaction to people criticizing the voice from the IMAX preview that came yeah, out. Yeah, like, so they did the I, they did the I, I, an IMAX preview where they showed the opening sequence, which is the actually pretty cool plane right. heist thing. And people were like, what the, what is this Bane? Yeah, Yeah. I can't understand him. So they went and tried to correct it. Yeah. But then they just sounded like, and he was this disembodied voice. Right. I like the original sound of the IMAX scene before they fixed it. Yeah. Because they kind of ruined it. Yeah. As a result. But anyway. Um, but even then, like, it was still hard to understand him. It was still ill-conceived. Yeah, it was really poorly executed. I mean, all of Nolan's movies have really bad ADR issues that should not exist in the movie in Which 2018. Which is nuts, because they all sound incredible when it comes to the sound effects and the sound effects mixing. Right. But then the dialogue sounds like garbage. Yeah. And, like, I know... So, we'll get we'll use that to get into Dunkirk. Um, Dunkirk, that was on purpose, because he didn't want any dialogue in the first place, so mm. he just kind of used it as a middle finger. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I, 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 like I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, can it's, we go like? Can I go off on a little rant on this? Yeah, I really don't like because this also happened in Interstellar. <clears throat> There's oh, a yeah. scene where Michael Caine is like oh. revealing that secret about stuff, and you don't understand what the <laughs> hell he's saying. All obscured by organ, and then like Nolan was like, "Well, that's because like you're not supposed to kind of be understanding. You're like supposed to be in the character's mindset <clears throat> thingamajig. Like that's the excuse I've heard used mm-hmm. on this stuff." That's really obnoxious for a director who's intimately familiar with his script Mm -hmm. to be obscuring the knowledge that he is intimately familiar with from you. Yeah. Like, that is super annoying as a member of the audience. I feel like it's almost contemptuous. Yeah, it is. It is. It comes off that way, for sure. Um, Yeah, Interstellar had that problem with the soundtrack being louder than the dialogue in a lot of spots. Um, And then Dunkirk had the sound effects being louder than the dialogue but that was on purpose too because Mm. he didn't want dialogue but he obscures tom hardy's face even more than he did in uh dark knight rises (laughs) to where you only get like his eyes right like he you only get his eyes in the entire thing i still really like that movie actually i thought it was really good uh i thought he was really good in it even though he like he doesn't do much except act with his eyes like Mm. he he propels that that, no, no he's pun the best intended. Part of the movie. Yeah, he is, and he propels that. Once again, no pun intended. Uh-huh. He propels that that arc that he has yeah. really nicely, even though he's like really muffled and you can't understand him, and uh, he's just doing a bunch of eyeball acting, which yeah. can get over the top, and it's not really. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he did Venom. Oh, he was in that other movie where he played twins, that well, British was, crime movie. Oh yeah, he was also in the Re- Revenant. 
too. Oh yeah, he had a crazy voice in that too. Yeah. He had like a weird like southern voice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, that's right. He uh, was in Warrior, which he's really good in. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, that's that my back, favorite yeah, Tom Hardy performance. Where is his best performance? That movie is super good. And it's also just a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real good movie. Um, but he has like a normal American accent in that yeah. movie. And he's really good in it. And then he's in Venom and he's doing this drunk Christopher Walken thing. And it's... It's insane. You're a bad person. Yeah. What is going on? What do you... I have to ask you a question. Like, just what? Yeah, man. Like... I knew what the voice sounded like because yeah. I saw the trailer. Yeah, I saw some clips. Yeah. And... So it wasn't a surprise to me. No. It was a surprise to me that it wasn't a prank. <laughs> it was a surprise to me that it lasted the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt I, like I was drunk. Right? And then he... So he gets possessed by Venom. Yeah. And... Then he has to do this, like, dual performance mm-hmm. of, like, Venom in his body yeah. and him, like, doing the drunk Christopher Walken thing while freaking out. And it provides these, like, really bizarre moments mm-hmm. in the movie where he's, like, all twitchy and weird, which not necessarily bad when you say it that way. But, like, the way he does it is insane. Yeah. it Like... It's this weird, like, physical comedy thing that he's doing, yeah. but, like, that's not a context you're really ready to see Tom Hardy in, mm-hmm. and it's certainly not a context you're ready to see Tom Hardy in in the Venom movie. It's 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 a bonkers performance, man. Like, yeah. I don't... It, it was, I don't, off-putting. I don't think he was directed to do that. I think he just did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is how it felt. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like either Ruben Fleischer was like, uh, and then Tom does something weird. Or yeah. Tom Hardy was like, I'm going to do something weird. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the upside to that, if there is one, is that it makes the movie, like... Interesting? It, not interesting. I wouldn't go so far as to Watchable. compliment. I wouldn't go so far as to... It doesn't make it... As dull as it is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a really dull movie. Yes. But just those, like, glimpses of, like, the performance. And there's one part that I actually thought kind of worked with that. Mm -hmm. Which is when he's brushing his teeth after he throws up for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, like, he gets the venom eyes and teeth. And he says, like, Eddie. And then he, like, freaks out and, like, stumbles. He, like, screams really loud. okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that felt, like, organic and natural and something that would definitely happen if you didn't know what was going on in your body. Yeah. Um, but then there's the scene in the restaurant, man. Oh, man. Holy moly. <laughs> that could have been toned down 100%. <laughs> and still been over the top. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. He went for it, man. Yeah. I don't know if it's a good thing, but he has this meltdown in this restaurant where he, ju- he like, jumps in a lobster tank and, like, he starts eating food off people's plates and, like... Then he eats a live lobster. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane, man. I can't believe that was a real scene in that movie. And Michelle Williams just looks embarrassed throughout the whole damn thing. Yeah, she does. And here's the thing. Like, Ruben Fleischer kind of came onto the scene in 20s. 2009 with Zombieland. Was it 2009? Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. Which is 
like that movie was well received it was mm-hmm. i thought it was well executed yeah. it was a really fresh like take on the zombie thing mm-hmm. it was an, it's an american version of a zombie comedy which like you know people have basically said Edgar Wright perfected in Shaun of the Dead yeah. and then so Fleischer did that and yeah. it was a good movie and everyone was like oh this is kind of like a new voice mm-hmm. and then he did this 30 minutes or less movie which was like fine no one really saw it also Jesse Eisenberg um, based on a true story about these people who like strapped a bomb to a pizza delivery guy and like made him rob a place actually the uh, Netflix series Evil Genius is about the story that that movie is based on um and then he did gangster squad which i didn't see but heard was bad yeah um and it looked kind of cool but then like i heard was bad Mm -hmm. it seemed like a cool like stylized 1930s movie which i'm like kind of go in for it had a really good cast like uh emma stone emma stone ryan gosling Mm -hmm. uh sean penn i know he's not like great but um yeah, and then he's done some TV work, and I think he's been more successful in that realm. Yeah. Um, and then he came in and did Venom, and uh, is this movie his fault? I don't feel like he had control over this movie. Yeah, I don't either. It feels, it feels... focus group to an inch of its life. Yes. <laughs> Well, and judging from what we've seen from that Sony hack, which mm-hmm. it's a good reason why you brought that up, because you can see how their fingerprints are over everything. Yeah. Like, they're stu- they studio note things to death. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is one of those movies. Yeah, I like Spectre, but they're the ones who, like, are the reason why Spectre wasn't well-liked. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a combination of them, and then a combination of Tom Hardy... Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe Tom Hardy thought he was giving it his all. And it was, I mean, he he was, he was he was in on it. Yeah, <laughs> he, he went in. But I don't know, man. This movie doesn't feel like it has a point of view. It's, yeah, there's it has nothing to say. Right, there's nothing to say. Like it does. It's not like it's it doesn't even land on like Elon Musk is bad. Like it's no. not like a takedown of like Elon Musk himself. It's not a takedown of like big tech. Yeah. It's not like it's not even like a. Uh, like pro journalism thing. No, it just like it just, it, it just abandons all of that. Yeah, which is the reason why like the first act is actually all right. Yeah, it's like it takes a while, but right. I'm not. I'm fine with that. Right, but it doesn't follow up on any of that stuff mm-hmm. really. That all that stuff is just window dressing. Yeah. Whereas if that stuff was actually something that they committed to and trying to make a point about something, mm-hmm. it would be a lot better for it. Yeah. But then the movie is so much in a rush after like that first act. I don't know. I would even hesitate to say it has a second act. Like it kind of just moves on to the third act. Yeah. Like, he, like he's got the power, and then he's like he's cool with Venom after like I don't know, like ten minutes basically. Yeah. Like, and convinces Venom that like humanity's cool. Yeah. And and for whatever reason, even though they tried to like uh, cat scan him to death. <laughs> and, right. And um, then they're off to saving the world from a rocket that was previously not disclosed at all at any point in the narrative. Um, but they're shooting another rocket that day, so they have to go and stop the bad guy from shooting the rocket. So that was, he got the bad Venom in yeah. him, and the bad Venom made him, like, rush that. To... Right, right. So it wasn't like they were scheduled to do it. He said that they were going to be launching one soon, but then he was like, launch it with just me. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just rushes to the conclusion. Yeah, for sure. You know? Like, he, so Venom, like, ends up in him, and then he's like, I want tater tots, or whatever. And then, uh, <laughs> for some reason, I want tater tots with my flesh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And chocolate. Uh, 
And then he, like, he does an action sequence with, like, evil Elon Musk's henchmen, which is whatever. It's, it's better than the f- climactic battle. Yeah. Holy crap. Um, <clears throat> and then him and Venom, like, hash it out, and then they're cool, and mm-hmm. then, uh... Hijinks and yeah, hijinks and his girlfriend or ex girlfriend. Well, yeah, with his ex and like her new boyfriend, and then like evil Elon Musk is like, "Hey, I have one of these guys too." Surprise! And then, but, which, the but that's weird now. because like he gets tracked down by some girl for whatever reason, which I don't think was very clear how that yeah. girl got there. But it wasn't. Like, it's not even like a voluntary decision on his part to go and get that symbiote, like. It's just yeah. something that happens. To the symbiote him. tracks him down, but I don't understand how the symbiote knew to track him down, right? Because right. we see that, that symbiote's kind of journey to him in three different women, right? Um, well, two women and a little girl, yeah. And so we know kind of how it got there. Right. We don't know why it tracked him down specifically, mm. like why it was like I need that. I need evil Elon Musk. But like, it, it just like takes away all agency from his character at that yeah. point, because normally in these kind of movies. Yeah, the mad scientist decided to use the thing on himself for a while. Yeah. Like, but at least fits with his character. He's a big believer in this fusion of the symbiote and the hu- humanity yeah. and stuff like that. But then he's forcefully, like, taken. And yeah. And it doesn't work, like, yeah. thematically, yeah. I feel like. But the yeah, that's a... Uh, Riz Ahmed's a good actor that gets bad parts. Yeah. Because he, like, he does what he can with this character, and he's, like, pretty good in it. Mm-hmm. Like, for the most... Like, his lines are kind of bad, but have he's... A nice day. <laughs> Why is that like a recurring like line that they use over? Oh, have a nice end? life, or have a nice life. Yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah, that's right. That's like Venom's badass moment, right? He says, right. "Have a nice life," and then explodes him, and it's like, okay, oh, yeah. well, that's a callback, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and like, yeah, he tries. Yeah, he tries. He yeah. he he gives it his all, but not in like a crazy way. Mm-hmm. He's just like, oh, I'm gonna be like an evil Elon Musk, and like right. I think he got that across really nicely. Um, that's kind of it, man. Like that's, that's the whole movie. And I'm like, I'm fine with like a more simplified superhero narrative. Mm. That's cool. But like, there's nothing about it. Like, I don't remember anything about this movie, man. Yeah. I guarantee you if we did this podcast, like tomorrow, I would have completely forgot about most of the details in this movie. Yep. I can't remember character names. Yeah. I don't know evil, evil Elon Musk's name. No. Uh, what is Michelle Williams' character's name? Allison? That's a total guess. Yeah. I, I think it's Allie? I, I have no idea. Allie was Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born. You know what? That's probably what I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, um, the boyfriend's name was Dan. Okay. All right. I remember that. Allie Brown. Okay. Well, yeah, but I only know his name from the comic. I know. I right? Know. Like, yeah. The... yeah, if I had just watched this movie on its own, I don't think I would have even remembered that. Yeah. Um, okay. Michelle Williams seemed like she did not want to be there this nope. entire movie. Yeah, I don't know why she was there. I, me either. Like, one, in the script. Yeah. Two, not that she's a bad character. She just doesn't do anything. There's no. nothing for her to do. But she's not a love interest, even, at yeah. this point. She's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like a, guy, a girl that he broke up with who he doesn't get back together with. Oh, one of my favorite lines of the movie is when she went, I'm sorry about Venom. <laughs> I was like, man. Wow. Well, yeah. Like, 
So before we saw this movie, there was a trailer for Alita Battle Angel. And uh, I leaned over to you and I said, what kind of dirt does Robert Rodriguez have on Christoph Waltz? Because that movie looks terrible. And Christoph Waltz can be good Mm -hmm. in Quentin Tarantino movies only? Yeah. (laughs) Um, For some reason? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, every time I see Christoph Waltz in one of these things, I just want to, like, talk to him. Like, I just want to be like, hey, man, you you have an Oscar. Like, you want an Oscar, dude. And uh, Michelle Williams in this movie feels like she's had that conversation with herself already. Yeah. Like, she just feels like she's like, I have an Oscar. What am I doing here? Someone's got to pay the bills, I guess. I guess so. I I literally think that's what it is. Like, there was a sense of... And I don't, maybe this has been projecting because we saw the trailer for this movie, but there was a sense of like, I should have been the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm here slumming it in this when I should have been in that, which also doesn't look great, Mm -hmm. but is more in line with something she would have done. Yes. Uh, She's just there. Yeah. But then then she goes and bonds with the symbiote. I hated that scene. Oh, when he makes out with she venom? Yes. I freaking hated that. Because, like, it, it broke the whole movie right there. Yeah. So, wait a minute. Like, the ven- the symbiotes have been killing people mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie. Like, because they have to have the right bonds with a person. Right. They're like organs, is right. what they say. But then she's able to, like, just carry it. She saw what ha- what that thing was capable of, and she carried it completely fine and was cool with it. And freaking killed some guy with it. Yeah. So, that was the other thing that pissed me off, is she had previously removed Venom from Eddie Brock. Yeah. Because she saw that it was killing Eddie. Right. His heart had atrophied. Right. And, which, by the way, they never came back to. Yeah. Uh, like, because Venom was like, oh, I can fix it. Like, don't listen to them. Like, it's, you know, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But then they never brought that up again. And then, so they were like, okay, so this thing's lying to you and killing you. Yeah. So, to handle it. So they MRI him to death. Mm-hmm. And then he escapes and goes into the dog. And, which is apparently fine as well. Right. And then she takes it and it's like, well, you were just mad at this thing. Like, where's the character switch where you're like, oh, Eddie needs Venom. Right. We're just going to go and completely gloss over that? Yeah. I guess so. Yep. Just just to have like a cheap surprise that, oh, hey, look, she was infected and stuff. Or yeah. That. Uh, that, like, I was kind of on board, not on board, but... All right, this movie this movie isn't like flat out garbage, you right. know what I mean? And then that happened, and then I turned on the movie. And I kind of felt like some people in the audience were like, "What's going on?" Here? Yeah, this, this, well, it was just weird seeing like sexy lady Venom yeah, too. Like it, it was just off. Yeah, thing, man. Yeah, I did not like that one bit. Yeah, and it just like solidified that her character was garbage and just like a plot delivery device, yeah. like the Carrie Venom to Eddie Brock device. Yeah. So. Yep. And then right after that, there's this, like, one of the worst CGI fights I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. It was terrible, man. It's like, it, it looked really bad. It was really ugly and, like, hard to, like, make out and, like... Well, yeah, why do you go and have, like, a guy who's, like, 
black venom and then fight, fighting against like gray venom. This is a terrible idea just from the outset. In yeah. Terms of like the visual iconography of these things. Right. Yeah. So, you know, this thing's getting a sequel with Carnage in it. Yeah. And that's going to look a lot better, presumably, because right. it's black and red and they like clash on each other, right? You can yeah. discern those things when yeah. you put when you put something red on something black or something black on something red. You can say, yeah, them. you can tell what's what. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the movie. Yeah. That, like, it, Venom wins. Uh, oh, what did you think about Venom being like a wimp? On his planet. I didn't have any strong feelings about it. I actually thought that was kind of a cool idea. They didn't do anything with it, once right. again. Well, yeah, because once again, like you, you could have had a movie where you talk about Venom's relationship to that other Venom yeah. thing. But they don't. Yeah. Like, there are way more interesting ideas within this movie that they don't bother yeah. to explore. It's got good bones. Gosh. <laughs> um... It has okay bones. I'll, I'll backpedal on that. Um, but, you know, so, like, Venom's like, oh, I'm helping you because on my planet I'm a loser and this makes me feel like a hero. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that. Yeah. But, like, you didn't do anything with it. So. Right. You didn't develop that. No. And, like, we should have learned that way sooner. Yeah. Because, so, I, I had heard that that was the case. Mm -hmm. And I left to go to the bathroom and I saw the... When I left to go to the bathroom, it was right after the motorcycle chase. Right. And Venom, like, popped out of Tom Hardy to talk to him from, yeah. like, the abyss. And uh, he was like, oh, you're kind of a loser. And that's when I left, because I thought that's when he was going to be like, on my planet, I'm kind of a loser. Like, yeah, that's why yeah, we're yeah. a perfect bond. Which is when we should have gotten right. that information, by the way. And then uh, we get it right before he fights bad Venom. Yeah. And it was like, what? Like, you could have done way more interesting things with Venom as a character if you would have told us that half an hour ago. It reminds me of, like, that scene in Suicide Squad. Where yes. so revealing, yeah. like, character the only good scene, The only good scene in Suicide Squad. Yeah, right. And it's happening, like, in the last 20% or 15% of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just like, here's my entire motivation for joining the Suicide Squad. Right. Time to fight the bad guy credits. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, Venom does have that, that problem. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So then he just like goes and fights him and then it's over. Right. And then uh, Venom dies, but then he doesn't. Right. Which doesn't make sense. And then Eddie Brock doesn't have a career still. He's going to get a job or something. I don't know. But the whole journalism angle doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, what happened to the evil company? We don't know. Yeah. Uh, so movie just ends. Yep. And then there's a post credit. There's two post credit scenes, but we only stayed for the first one. Um. Because the second one is just kind of an extended preview of Into the Spider-Verse. Mm -hmm. uh, but the first one is the introduction of Carnage, which mm -hmm. is, uh, what's that dude's name? Cletus something. Anyway, played by Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And uh, I didn't, I, I had a weird thing with that. So I saw someone tweet earlier in the week, like, tonight I'm going to see a movie with Michelle Williams, Tom Hardy, and Woody Harrelson in it. And I'm not excited at all. And I retweeted it and said, that's how I learned Woody Harrelson was in Venom. So I was expecting him to be, like, in Venom. Right. And then I saw... And then, like, I heard that there were two post-credit sequences. And I usually... I don't do this for movies I care about, but I looked them up. And uh, I found out that was his introduction. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, that's real weird. Yeah. Uh, and then I kept hearing, like, oh, he's got a really bad wig on. He's yeah. got a really bad wig on. And I was like, okay, I'll stay for that. I want to see what this wig looks like. Yeah. It was so much worse than I thought it was going to be. 
<laughs> I was dying. It was so, like I expected him to have a bad wig or come over the way like his Hey Mitch has a bad wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Hunger Games movies. This was some sort of carrot top <laughs> Ronald McDonald ass wig from hell. <laughs> those, those were both of the analogies I was going to use. <laughs> he looked like a clown ass. Yeah, he did. What the hell, man? Dude, I couldn't believe it. On what planet did you? does anyone think that was acceptable looking? Dude, I, like, how many people approved that? Because it seemed like zero. Like, I don't know if Woody saw himself in a mirror. I, like, I, man. Because I feel like if I was Woody freaking Harrelson, yeah. and you put that wig on me, I would look at the mirror and be like, Okay, that's cool. Where's the real wig? <laughs> I'm not wearing this in a movie. Did they make Woody Harrelson think he was filming that Joker movie? That's what I was thinking. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh, so 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 Eddie Brock goes and like interviews, uh, pretend like it, what's going to be Carnage in the second one, and uh, he's the serial killer, and. Uh, on his way to the thing, he the guard is talking to him about the interview, and then Tom Hardy says something <laughs> that unintelligible. <laughs> I, here's what I heard him say: the FBI is gonna open up my health <laughs> and see what I wrote about whatever the guy's name is. That's what I think he said. I don't think the words have been invented in the human language to describe what he said. Man. Anyway, so then he goes and meets him and he's like writing Hello Eddie in his own blood on the wall like a creepy serial killer guy. And that's the setup to Venom Uh, 2. That's, I mean, it's, you know, comic book accurate, which is fine. Um, But I, I don't understand... Why it had to be Woody Harrelson? Yeah. Like, I almost... And I know he's <sighs> in this DCEU thing. I almost would have preferred, like, the weirdo Lex Luthor Jesse Eisenberg yeah. to be this character than, like, Woody Harrelson. Dude, I'm I'm sick of Woody Harrelson. I I'm like Woody come Harrelson. I'm just going to come out and say it. I, I am just sick of seeing that dude and everything. I like Woody Harrelson. I'm sick of seeing him in stuff that's, like franchise alien stuff yeah like i'm sick of seeing him portray a character that i'm supposed to buy into not being woody harrelson yeah so like i love him in Zombieland, right he's good in Zombieland because he's basically woody harrelson yeah like that's the woody harrelson i like mm-hmm. i'm fine with you like make as many of those movies as you want i won't right. see them all whatever but when you throw him in star wars or like a Marvel thing, like or he just Hunger Games. or Hunger Games. He just is so Woody Harrelson. Like he can only play Woody Harrelson, yeah. and that's fine. That's a way you can act. Mm-hmm. But like, don't make me buy into him as someone else. Yeah, I'm glad he's getting his payday, but I'm done with him <laughs> and everything. It's just, it, that's what it just seems like at this point. Yeah. All right. 
Whatever, more money for me. So what the hell? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, like I don't blame him. Yeah, I, I do the same thing in that situation. Man, but like, like, can we have a little bit more creativity <laughs> in our casting departments? Yeah. Uh, also, I now have to buy that Woody Harrelson and Tom Hardy are equals physically. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't know, man. I, okay, I don't. There's a, a difference between the Marvel move post-credit thing mm-hmm. and everybody else imitating it. Mm-hmm. There's a certain swagger and confidence to Marvels that I don't feel like is reflected in the competitions. Yep. Uh, if and you know, I, this is somebody who was a very serious Marvel skeptic too. The Justice League one felt all right. Is that the one where they did where they did the run? No, that was the Deathstroke. Yeah. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there that was one. so that one had to. They did do the run. Okay. But then the other one was yeah the Deathstroke one. Okay. The Deathstroke one felt cool. Yeah. yeah. But right. that was because it was a setup to a Matt Reeves movie that's potentially not happening. Right. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's the thing is, like all these other movies, they just feel like they're just throwing that shit out there because like. Yeah, that's what you nerds want. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the Sinister Six gets set up in Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. That's what you. That's what's going to get pump up you nerds so you'll be in here the next time. Yeah. Like, there's this condescension. Like, that's what these kind of movies do, right? Right. Going on with it. That I don't feel like the Marvel movies do. No. Yeah. Uh, and there's like, they're like, we're going to make this movie whether you like it or not almost. Well, like, and so what they do <laughs> is they like... They throw the nerd stuff out, yeah. but it's the hardcore nerd stuff, right? right? Like, th- I didn't know who the hell Thanos was yeah. at the end of the Avengers. All I saw was, like, purple guy. Yeah. And then I found out who he was, and it was like, oh, cool. Like, it sounds like he's a cool villain, mm-hmm. and now I'm excited, right. right? That's the difference, is, like, I know who the serial killer that becomes Carnage is. I don't know yeah. his name, but I know that's the origin story for Carnage. They also give him that stupid line where he's like, when I get out of here, there's going to be Carnage. Right. And uh, it's like... Wink, well, wink. Yeah, because it's me. <laughs> Do you get it? I'm Carnage. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yeah. Did you understand? I can say it again I, if I, you want. I can go and like, do the mathematical equation with my blood. <laughs> Carnage equals me. <laughs> Carnage. Um, yeah. So, uh... The Marvel movies throw out, like, oh, yeah, like, Thanos is going to be, like, a villain for the Avengers to fight. And it's like, ooh, what's that? Like, there's a, there's a, there's a... It piques your interest. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Nick Fury, like, I didn't know who Nick Fury was when he showed up in Iron Man. Like, it was Samuel L. Jackson on iPad. And then I found out, like, oh, Nick Fury's, like, a guy who works for S.H.I.E.L.D., which is this government organization. Like, it gives you some stuff to go look up. Yeah. It gives you some homework if you want to. Mm. And that works a lot better. Yeah. Because it feels like they're like <clears throat> telling a coherent story mm-hmm. like with these things. Like, this is going to happen. Yeah. Versus the other things, it's just, this is a teaser for the next movie. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. You punk-ass nerds. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It just feels like... Yeah, yeah, condescending and just like lazy. Yeah. Too. Like... I don't know. The 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 Marvel ones feel like have some thought put into them, yeah. you know? They're like I think it's cuz they know where they're going, right. right? They have it all mapped out. They know where they're headed. They know what they need to do. They're not just giving you like what you want with some of them. Either. Yeah. They're, like they they they're giving you what you need. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. Like so they've said, "Hey, Captain Marvel is going to be a big part of Avengers 4." Right. So now we see at the end of Avengers 3, "Oh, hey, 
just before he disappears, Nick Fury calls Captain Marvel. Right. Right? Like, that's like, that is stuff to get excited about, right? Yeah. If you're excited about Captain Marvel, his character or whatever, that does excite you, right? Yeah, yeah. But it also is like, what needs to happen because mm-hmm. they've said she's going to be a major part. Yeah. Right? So, plus that's the next movie. Yeah. So, it's really nice setup, you know? And then like, the Civil War one with Bucky and Wakanda, it's like, oh, Black Panther was super cool in this. I want to mm-hmm. see more Black pa- Black Panther. Oh, now we're actually seeing what Wakanda looks like, you know? And like, uh, Bucky's there, like, what's going to happen with that? You know, right. all that stuff is, it like works well in the context of the universe too. It's just like, where okay we have these characters in these spots how do we get them there how do we convey that to the audience like it's just it's mathed out in a really good way Mm -hmm. which is better than everyone else me equals carnage yeah yeah and i mean even like the uh sony did it did a because sony was going to do the ghostbusters thing Sony did a setup to Zool in mm. the at the end of the Lady Ghostbusters movie. But one of the things I kind of liked about the Lady Ghostbusters movie is that they didn't feel like they had to rely on like a yeah, previous. They were beholden. Yeah, like they had Stay Puffed in there for a, a brief second, but yeah. he was like a parade balloon, and like Slimer was there, mm. but like he wasn't a major player in it. It was just like a gag, right? right? Which is way better, and like. The villain had nothing to do with, like, Ghostbusters 1 or Ghostbusters 2. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was like, what's Zool at the end of the credits? And I was like, eh. Yeah. Like, you weren't going to get a sequel out of this anyway. Right. But if you were, I would have preferred if you would have just stuck with the original ghosts. They feel like cheap carrots that are dangled in front of you. Like, yeah. Come next one, please. Like, yeah, yeah, if yeah. This is a, if this is successful, you know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Anyway... You know what was a far better um, Spider-Man related thing that came out within the last month? Hmm. The Spider-Man game. <laughs> yeah, the Spider-Man game is great. Yeah, play that. If you have, if you're inclined to play video games at all, play that. Yeah. Get that. Don't watch Venom. It's real good, yeah. man. It's a real good game. I actually think it's like the best take on Spider-Man since like the first and second Raimi movies. Yeah. So yeah, I get it. I'm really interested. I I just finished Act One of the game. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so I kind of I'm really interested to see where this story goes because I don't really know where it's going. Is that um, did you fight Mister Negative yet? I haven't or? fought him yet. Okay, all right. I've that, seen him. That's he's like revealed himself. Kind uh, of so I'm at the part where Spider Man has seen who it is, and uh, now he's trying to convince the police that it's uh, him. Ah, okay, all right. Yeah, 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 I know where you're at now in the story. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, it so gets it's better from there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good. it's really intricate. Like, mm-hmm. it's really, really well done. Yeah. I don't know. I really like the way the story integrates in the in the overall narrative. And even in the side missions, not the side missions, the side missions are kind of one-offs. Yeah. Um, but the, like, the Fisk bases and the demon warehouses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like the way it integrates into, like, the collectibles. Right, yeah. Um, it integrates really nicely. Uh, last thing I'll say, um, because I made Mike watch a scene from this movie. Um, oh, yeah. So... There's a movie that came out earlier this summer that nobody saw, and you should have, called Upgrade. And Upgrade is exactly like Venom, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, It's so good. And it's the same thing. This guy gets something implanted in him that he didn't necessarily want. Mm -hmm. And it talks to him and controls his body uh, free of his own volition. 
Upgrade is so much better. Also, the dude from Upgrade looks exactly like Tom Hardy. Yeah. Logan Marshall Green is his name. Mike, you saw, like, a few minutes of Upgrade. Right. Was it better than Venom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I have, like, this, like, thing now where I can, like, watch just, like, a couple minutes of a movie and just kind of figure out, okay, this is just better made than mm-hmm. this other movie. And I could tell, just straight off the bat, that Upgrade is a movie that I should have seen and that Venom should be. Yeah. So, the, the first action sequence plays out almost identically right. to the first action sequence of Venom. And it's so much better. It's super cool. Now, it does have an R rating, so it's super violent and yeah. gruesome, which... Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's, damn. Yeah, I was not expecting some of the violence in that. But, uh, but like, it's, it's, for all intents and purposes, exactly the same. Yeah. Like, functionally, it's mm-hmm. identical. Right. But Upgrade is so much more compelling. Like, whether you've been watching the movie for the 30 minutes... Yeah. Until then, or I just showed it to you as a yeah. Warm-up. Just being like dropped in the middle of it, I found that way more interesting. I like I was drawn in versus if I had just watched like a Venom clip, it would have been meh. Yeah, you know. And uh, it handled the tone so much better of this guy being controlled. It wasn't like this there's weird, comedy it, in it. There's com- oh yeah, it's it's kind of funny. It's really funny. Yeah, and that like also that happens. Dark, yeah, and, yeah. It, it, it's a it's a it handles the whiplash of those tones a lot better than yeah. well, there isn't a whiplash. It, they they both exist. Yeah. In a way that Venom, it was like, whoa, what is going on with the tone here? A little yeah. bit. Yeah, and I think it's because Logan Marshall Green's performance is far less twitchy and weird. Yeah. Like he's just like, whoa, what's happening? Why right. are you doing this? Yes. Right, as opposed to just being like, blah, blah, what? Blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, even an upgrade like. I showed you a scene to sort of that was sort of expositional before we got into the action sequence. Yeah. That was like a few seconds, mm-hmm. and there was a picture of there. There was a picture. There was a shot of him looking at files, and you were like, "I love that camera angle." Yeah, the, he was looking at files. I know, man. Like just the framing of the shot was, was amazing. Like, was not okay, not amazing. I'm not gonna go right. overboard. It was so much more compelling than Venom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a better look to it than Venom, for yeah. sure. Venom's really ugly. Yeah. And Upgrade's kind of ugly, but in a really gritty, like, in a way that works. Right. Um, and it looks really Services cool. the story. Yeah, it's it's in conjunction with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, to leave you on this note, watch Upgrade, don't watch Venom. Because right. Upgrade's incredible. It's not for everyone. Uh, yeah. Venom is the PG-13. Upgrade's hardcore. Yeah. Uh, what I showed you, Mike, is not even the grossest thing that happens in the movie damn yeah um so it is it's a hard r Mm -hmm. when it comes to the violence um but it's a freaking good movie yeah i'm gonna watch it now yeah also Uh, go and watch the star is born over venom yeah star is born's real good yeah real good movie i'm gonna be on real world theology to talk about that but uh we both saw it and uh it's real good man it's a really good directorial debut yeah really good yeah, I, you know, I keep on forgetting that Bradley Cooper hasn't directed something before. Yeah, because it seems like it. Yeah, he has. He's like an old hand. At yeah, it. yep. Really good performances across the board. Mm-hmm. He's great in it. She's great in it. Great ensemble cast. The man, the supporting cast is out of control. I hope they campaign Sam Elliott for supporting actor. Yeah, he's so freaking good in this movie. He's really good, and he's only in it for like five scenes. Yeah, he's really good in every single yep. one of them. 
Yeah, so with... This is something I won't be able to talk about probably on the Real World Theology podcast. Uh, Star is Born is the most accurate movie about the music industry I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge music industry nerd. However, I did uh, concert production at a country music venue Mm -hmm. for about four years. I saw this story in this movie roll through that venue so many times Mm -hmm. i saw i i mean you could tell i saw i saw both sides of it i saw jackson maine come through Mm -hmm. um i saw those you know on their way to being washed up way too drunk on stage definitely found some crushed up pills in the back Mm -hmm. during cleanup I saw that. I saw ladies who were going to be the next big thing. I saw ladies involved with dudes who are super talented, but on a really destructive path. Mm -hmm. And she's also super talented. And it ultimately hurts that it's, I saw all of that. Mm -hmm. And everything that happens in this movie is so true to life. It was eerie. Yeah. It was like, it felt so real. Um, it's got two of my favorite arguments I think I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the script, man, is so good. It just feels like the the actual like lines of dialogue are really like organic. Yeah, and like just they feel really natural. It's not, it is not stagey. No, at all. and it should be. Like yeah. that's the thing is every version of A Star Is Born is crazy melodramatic. Yeah, because it's base level. It's a pretty melodramatic story. And this movie does not make it feel that way at all. No, and it's all a credit to Bradley Cooper for keeping it on almost like a documentary level. Yeah. Um, it, in terms of the intimacy of it. Mm-hmm. And there's an argument that, to be said that maybe it gets a little too intimate and, yeah. and to the exclusion of the outside world. Yeah. And, yeah. and its reaction to what's going on. Yeah. But in terms of making those emotions feel raw and real, mm-hmm. I can't think of a better representation of... I think... I mean, maybe Walk the Line, but even that was melodramatic in yeah. places. I know? actually like this better than Walk the Line. Yeah. And I have Walk the Line posters hanging in, my, yeah. in my house. You know, that, that's the thing I was trying to think of when it came to things that come close. But mm-hmm. I think this is better than Walk the Line is. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, I do too. I really like Walk the Line a yeah, lot. Yeah, I think it's a good movie. Um, but this is better. For sure it's better. And uh, I hope they campaign a lot of these people, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got best original song in the bag pick one and it's gonna win they're gonna do shallow and it's gonna win Mm -hmm. but like freaking maybe it's time is good uh that last song is enough to win an oscar the one that she does right uh i actually think the last song is better than the shallow but yeah um Um, her song like i'll always remember us this way really good song Mm -hmm. and what's cool is like with the exception i think of the covers obviously and then the maybe it's time yeah. uh they wrote those songs bradley cooper and lady gaga did it. and they wrote a lot of them while they were filming the movie um which i thought was really cool yeah um but yeah so the soundtrack's really good uh the performances are great sam elliott deserves a nod i would say andrew dice clay maybe deserves not necessarily oscar love but maybe mm. golden globes right um i think he should be nominated for best actor and best director i think she should be nominated for best actress oh, like, yeah. just really good across the board mm-hmm. also uh, last thing on this uh, bonus podcast about <laughs> A Star is Born. Um, I've always really liked Lady Gaga. Not always. Uh, 
I think that this movie turned a lot of people on Lady Gaga yes. in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy for that because she, you know, when she came out, she was very like, rah, rah, I'm right. a meat dress or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she leaned really heavily onto like the weirdo things that yes. she does. And I think a lot of that is because she experienced a lot of the stuff her character experiences in the movie. Yes. Um, as far as self-confidence and like being told like she looks weird or her nose is too big or whatever. Um, and so I think she leaned onto that. Yeah. But there was a turning point um, in her career. And you can, you can pinpoint it. You can definitely pinpoint it. It was after Born This Way came out. She was on the Howard Stern show. Mm-hmm. And Howard Stern has a reputation uh well he has he has two reputations <laughs> he has the obvious one but he has a second sneaky reputation and that is to get musical artists outside of their comfort zone mm-hmm. the first time the foo fighters performed acoustic was on the howard stern show they did an acoustic version of everlong and it's still my favorite version of that song mm-hmm. um to the point where they actually took it out on tour with them uh and did an entire acoustic tour Wow. Okay. Um, because of that one performance that they did where Dave Grohl was like, oh, this works. Yeah. Like, we could do this. He got her to perform Born This Way, just her on a piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing. She's really talented. Oh, yeah. She's crazy talented. Well, she she has a degree from Berkeley, I think, or Juilliard. Uh, it's uh, some music conservatory. I think it's Juilliard or something yeah. like that. Um, so she, like, you don't just get those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, well, I, I've paid attention to her since, you know, Poker Face or whatever. Right. And I knew, like, her stuff is Stephanie Geminota or mm-hmm. whatever. And I saw that stuff. Like, I watched YouTube videos of her performances before she became Lady Gaga. And I was like, this person's way more talented than, like, the pop star she's presenting herself mm-hmm. as. And it's too bad that she had to go and stick with that shtick mm-hmm. for so long because those are really talented singer she did make good pop songs she was like she was a cut above like that poker face song was good yeah no like i think her first couple pop hits were actually pretty damn good yeah um up until bad romance yeah bad romance i think bad romance was the last good one that she yeah. did. And yeah, then, for sure. Art then, pop was bad yeah everything after that was pretty much garbage as far yeah. as i'm concerned yeah um but she no her pop songs were decent but there's a, an even better singer Beyond that. Yeah. Below, underneath yeah. that. So someone, I don't even remember who it was. These two people I know said, you should listen to Lady Gaga do Born This Way on the Howard Stern show. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I was all in. Like, yeah. all it took was that one performance of that song. And I was like, I'm in. Like, mm-hmm. I am a fan of Lady Gaga. No matter what. Her pop stuff, whatever. Then, after that performance, yeah. she did a jazz standards album with Tony Bennett called Cheek yeah. to Cheek. Mm-hmm. And it's outstanding yeah it's one of my favorite albums of the decade man Mm -hmm. it's so good um and then she performed uh what did she do she did a julie andrews tribute i think at the oscars mm -hmm. and she was incredible on that too she did some song from the sound of music i think yeah and uh also did an awesome job on that so Lady Gaga's always been really talented, and since that Born This Way performance on Howard Stern, I've always been all in on her. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really happy to see, not that she wasn't popular, obviously, right. but I'm really happy to see people who wouldn't necessarily like Lady Gaga yes. coming around on her, because I think she is super talented. Um, I think she's a good songwriter. I think she is an excellent singer. Yeah, um, she's a good musician. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. a good piano player. She's and regardless of whether or not you like the Lady Gaga meat dress 
crap. Right. She's, she was a good entertainer. You know. Yeah, you, you know, talked about it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, you always <laughs> knew that she like was a good actress underneath just from that standpoint. Yeah. Like somebody who could keep up that charade for as long as she did, yeah, has to be somewhat talented in yeah. terms of well, how she acts. She's already got a Golden Globe. Yeah, she won a Golden Globe for uh, American, American Horror, Horror Story. Story. Yeah, um, yeah, and so I don't know. I think she's. I'm just. I'm. I'm glad she's like because I feel like her career kind of dropped off, quote unquote. Yeah, art pop. I think. Yeah, art pop. Yeah. Well, art pop was a real badass. Yeah. <laughs> um. But then that Joanne album that she did was really good. That yeah, had like that, a million reasons. Right, yeah, I didn't really care for it. Well, I only heard that one song. I really like that okay. song a lot. Um, there's some good songs on that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that all kind of led to her being in this movie. And I think... Yeah. I don't know, man. She's fantastic in that movie. She's really and good. there's... So, uh, one of my favorite pieces of production design I've seen in a movie recently... Uh, is in this movie. There's a scene where she goes home after she sings shallow with him and takes mm-hmm. a nap. And we get a shot into her bedroom. And there's a scene, or there's there, in the shot, right above her bed is a framed vinyl record. Mm-hmm. And it's Carol King Tapestry. And I was like, who did that? <laughs> I was like, who did that? That person is a genius. Yeah. Um, because... The vibe you get from when, like, her singer-songwriter stuff that she does in the movie is very Carole King. Mm -hmm. And uh, that album was so formative to so many female artists um, and male artists. It's a solid album top to bottom. I grew up on that album. My my mom does not like music at all, really. Mm -hmm. She friggin' loves this album. Um, It's an album I bought for my vinyl collection when I started mine. Uh, my wife loves it. She's a musician. It's just one of those. I mean, it is. It's like the female. It's like the female equivalent of like an Elton John. Uh, I'm only the piano player. Don't shoot. I'm only the piano player. Mm-hmm. It's like the female. That's like the female companion to that yeah, album. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, man, way to be like, because mm-hmm. I've known so many local female artists that are super talented freaking carol king tapestries in that rotation somewhere mm-hmm. and like pretty high on the list and yeah. so that was just this little moment where i was like whoa like you guys yeah. i almost wonder if gaga herself was like hey oh yeah, yeah. i must guarantee there's a lot of touches that seem to have come from her yeah you know but i also can't undercut the good direction in a no. lot of different scenes yeah. um and that all comes from cooper yeah um i mean this, i don't know how obvious this was to anybody else probably pretty obvious but the way can I get into the spoilers of what happens? Uh, yeah, spoilers for A Star is okay, Born. Okay, spoilers. Like, hardcore spoilers. Yeah, like, like really? if you're planning on seeing the movie, right. do not listen past this point because right. I feel like it's a movie that you should see on spoilers. Yes, agreed. Um, okay, now I'm giving you enough warning. The part where he goes and commits suicide... It's go- outstanding. Yeah. Which, is, it, it yeah, sounds yeah. gross right. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. He, he films it like it's the rock concert still yeah like the way the lighting is like the Mm -hmm. way the lights are behind him and stuff like Mm -hmm. that he it's like still a performance kind Mm of and and i don't know there's something about that that's like really struck me dude that scene hit in a way i was not expecting yeah i am fortunate enough to have not been 
directly affected by suicide in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I had an uncle that committed suicide before I was born. I had another uncle that committed suicide two years ago, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but he lived in North Carolina, so I was never close to him. I've never known anyone right. that I've been close to that has committed suicide. I've known people who are suicidal, but I... I've known one yes. person who has made an attempt mm-hmm. uh, and was unsuccessful and is fine now. Yeah. Um, other And that was forever ago so i've been pretty lucky in that um that got to me man like that like i didn't have a lump in my throat per se but but me neither i I recognized how how well done it was there was like an oh crap yeah like yeah there man that scene is so good and then i thought it was really really well done the way it cuts to his body like it wasn't once again, I think this is a really smart decision to keep it from going into melodrama or mm-hmm. grotesquerie. It's a really far away shot and you just see his torso swinging in the garage door window. Yeah. That's the only shot of his body we ever see. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really, really smart direction. Yeah. Um, really smart. And I think that's why, you know, <laughs> I texted you uh, <clears throat> on the A Quiet Place episode I came out like, hey, movies should kill kids. I like it. Um, by the way, Venom kills a kid. Didn't like it. <laughs> um, and uh, I got a lot of like, you're a psycho for that. A Star Wars Born has my favorite movie, Suicide, in it. And I know that sounds like gross to say, like I said, yeah. but it's really well executed. I think it's really, it's, it's really quote unquote earned. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the it feels like the natural end for that character which is sad yeah um, right i've heard some people say that it feels like it's uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for that it kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere i didn't think so at i all. didn't think so either i mean the whole reason why he he stops at gaga's bar was because there was nooses outside on that billboard oh crap like why why do yeah. you think that like he had like an attraction to that place? Probably. Whoa, that's yeah. awesome. So that was Whoa. like what the like five minutes into the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and then he tells he had tried it before. Yeah, right. And yeah, the movie also plays it out like that too. You know, so it's that's kind of visually mm-hmm. they already set it up and verbally. Yeah. Um, but man, also, I hadn't also, put two and two together on that. Also, it's just that's so, so good. Sometimes uh. people, sometimes people like. Do go and commit suicide out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, to CAC. Right. You know, there there are people out there who don't seem to have demonstrated any, you know, suicidal mm-hmm. tendencies who then go and do it. So I don't even think that's a valid criticism. But yeah. That, but even that being said, it, there were signs shown in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, for yeah, sure. I mean, there's been other movies that have tackled suicide depictions, but I think this one felt more honest. Yeah, about very it. much so. Very yeah. much so. And like, ooh, that manager guy. Like, I didn't yeah. like that character as I, a character. I did not either. He was too cartoonish. He was too me. cartoonish. Yeah. But the scene where he basically convinces Bradley Cooper to kill himself, I thought was really good. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. So, the, and that's that's the thing, right? I have not. So, I've made reference to the medical stuff I've dealt with on the podcast. I dealt with a lot of panic and anxiety this year. I'm mostly fine. I'm not better, but I'm mostly fine. Um, one of my big concerns in that is, um, getting to a suicidal spot. Mm -hmm. I don't think I will. I never have been. Uh, 
I still haven't been. It's not, you know, a thought that's crossed my mind. But because I'm someone now who has this newly diagnosed condition, it's one of those things where it's like, well, <laughs> those things usually follow with depression. Depression usually leads to suicidal tendencies. Uh, so I'm not too worried. If I worry about it, then it's just going to be a, a feedback loop of my anxiety, right? Um, but I think it does, like, it does a really honest job of, like, showing how he got there. Yeah. Um, through his depression, right? Yeah. Because anyone... So the reason I'm not worried about myself, I don't really have destructive tendencies. Um, he has nothing but destructive tendencies. Right. Yeah. Um, even his getting in a relationship with Lady Gaga is a destructive thing for him. Mm -hmm. um, because he sees her. He knows who she is. He knows he's seen that talent before. He's been around the music business for, what, 25, 30 years at this mm -hmm. point, trying in some way or another. He knows exactly how this woman's story plays out. Yeah. And uh, that's why he ends up in a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so his destructive tendencies absolutely point to his suicide at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And even... Even when he cleans up, you know, mm -hmm. he's actually like kind of in a better spot at the, toward the end of the movie than yeah. he has been at any other point. Yeah. Like the relapse is like that, you know, it's always. Yeah. Like, but I mean, all it takes is that away. one guy. Right. Like all it took was that one guy to say something kind of crappy to him. Mm -hmm. in, in this case, it was extremely crappy. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it, it, that was his death warrant right there mm -hmm. was that scene like yeah. that's you can see him decide to commit suicide in that scene yeah because the other jackson main would have hit the guy yeah the pre-rehab one and right. this guy's just like well i'm trying to make the world a better place for everyone so might as well take myself out of it yeah well he basically dies in that scene yeah you know mm -hmm. what i mean that that's what happens yeah so yeah um yeah that that was very raw and real yeah um he's so good at that movie man yeah it's it's easy to overstate how good or not overstate. It's easy to focus on Lady Gaga, Gaga in it, but it, he he's so understatedly good. Mm -hmm. He like inhabits that character. Yeah, even down to like the little nuances. Like he freaking man, he uh he does this thing when he's drunk at the Grammys, which that scene was. I'm not. You know how some people say they yeah. can't like handle the office because it's too awkward. I don't have that. Mm -hmm. This scene got me there, man. Yeah. Like, I was like, ooh, crap. Like, this is... I was just like... It was heart-wrenching. Like, it was just yeah. like, this is so awkward. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, But the scene where he's drunk and playing guitar on stage during the Roy Orbison tribute, mm -hmm. I've seen that so many times. That tongue-out, like, where am I facial expression. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he, like googled clips of dudes playing guitar when they're drunk or yeah. what but like he nailed it dude he freaking nailed it i was yeah. like whoa i've seen that tongue so many times yeah yeah and the thing is, is the way he goes and reacts afterwards at the grammys thing i mean i've seen you've seen that you've seen renona writer at uh the golden globes or whatever <laughs> with her doing her thing yeah um you know it, it's it's not that far off yeah from, from happening someday yeah you know? yeah well and like you know uh i don't want to name names but the country music venue i used to work at uh 
there was a keyboard player there who was my boss. Uh, he ran the venue and he was my boss. And he was the keyboard player in a very, very, very famous outlaw country band. Which means they played shows with all those guys. And he told me a story of another very, 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 very famous country musician who got too high before soundcheck one time and started hallucinating bugs on the stage and asked to borrow one of the crew guys hammers and started smashing holes in the stage during sound check to squash these bugs that weren't there <laughs> nice yep nice uh so him pissing himself at the grammys is not too far off from some of the yeah. stories i've heard Whew. yep so on that note that's your double podcast uh, Venom and a Star is Born. Okay. Star is Born is so much better. Man, yeah, yeah. The, the audience for this podcast is going to vary. It's going to overlap to the extreme, I'm yep. sure. Yep. Well, that's the... I mean, you can stop listening for the Star is Born talk yeah. or just skip to this part. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we should probably just, like, timestamp, like, where different parts of it begin. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, if you are going to see Venom, uh, don't NC Upgrade instead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have anything else? Uh, no. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. I'm going to be on the Real World Theology podcast next week to, or this week. It should be out at the same time this is out to talk about A Star is Born. Um, it's my second appearance on there this year. I was on there earlier this year for Ready Player One. Um, what else? Oh, November 5th? We're introducing Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's right. Okay, sweet. <laughs> uh, November 5th at the Bakersfield Fox Theater, we're introducing a screening of the Thanksgiving classic, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Those of you who uh, remember the YouTube show, remember <laughs> yeah. we did an episode on it. Uh, it's only $5. Doors open at 6. Show starts at 7. We go on at 7. Um, and then the film will start shortly after that. Yeah. Uh, come out and witness the greatest use of profanity in movies ever yeah 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 i think so yeah think so. um yeah uh so that'll be a good time we're also showing zombie land which my buddies from more gooder than um are going to be introducing and uh that's going to be october 15th october 29th we're showing the exorcist and i am so 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 excited about the uh guest we have for that it's going to be um, Reed Lackey from the Fear of God podcast. It is a Christian horror movie podcast. Reed is one of the smartest people I know, and I've never met him in person. Uh, October 29th is going to be the first time I get to meet Reed in real life. Um, but he, we're, we, we met through the Real World Theology Facebook group. The way that guy thinks about everything is... I just have so much respect for him and I love the way he thinks and approaches different uh, issues in the world and in cinema and um, I'm so excited. The Exorcist is his favorite movie of all time and I'm so excited to see what he brings to the table for his uh, introduction. Um, oh, you're giving away copies of your book. Is that yeah, still a thing? That, yeah, it is. Um, so... Uh... Next Friday, which I should probably check the date of. The 12th? The 12th. 
Next Friday the 12th, running a two-week promotion um, on Goodreads, which is uh, something that a lot of people use that I recently became familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, social media for book readers. Yep. Um, 100 free copies of my book will be given away. Uh, all you have to do is just look at the giveaway section, um, enter in. It's a couple clicks. It's all it takes. You'll get a digital copy. I mean, you could get a digital copy, I should say, <laughs> for legal reasons. Right. Um, one of 100 copies um, you could possibly go and get. Um, and it, it, this is a good way to go and spread the word of the book, but then also for you to get a chance to not pay the two bucks if you've been holding off. Man, come on. This is free now. You really yeah. have no excuse. So um, the, the book is The Aurora War. Uh, look for it on the giveaway section of Goodreads. Cool. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. We actually have a busy October and November on the show. Um, we'll be back next week with Missy Lonsinger. Is that yeah. right? Yep. Um, we're going to be talking about the new Damien Chazelle film, First Man, which is about Neil Armstrong. Have we talked about a Damien Chazelle movie before? Not on the podcast. I don't think so. We uh, about Whiplash or, um... La La Land. La La Land. I talked about La La Land with Corey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's our first for a... We talked about La La Land and Whiplash, uh, on the Favorite Movies YouTube show. Yeah. Um, Favorite Movies of the Year in 2016. But that's it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that'll be cool. We'll have a guest. We actually have guests all October. October, uh, the weekend Halloween comes out. So after October 19th, um, Patrick Spurlock will be on here to talk about Halloween. Um, his favorite, one of his favorite horror franchises ever. And then in early November, Ariel Dyer will be on to talk about the 2018 remake of... Suspiria, the Dario Argento movie. Mm. So uh, if you want to do your homework in advance for that, it is the spooky season. Suspiria is a remake of a 70s giallo horror movie. Shut up. Uh, so anyway. The shorthand is it's a giallo horror movie, um, which is Italian uh, gonzo horror. And uh, Dario Argento is the father of that. That movie, the original, is on Amazon Prime. Um, so if you want to watch that for the spooky season to get ready for the up the update, uh, I know the audience for that's not going to be huge, but um, we're talking about it anyway. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so go watch the original. It's a weird one, man. Uh, I'm going to revisit it for this show. But yeah, so that's what you have to look forward to in October and November, at least the first part. Um, mm -hmm. Until next time. Have we a nice have a bad guys. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>